evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater, the largest single-screen drive-in in the United States. We're certainly glad you could be with us this evening. And don't forget the concession stand is open with all kinds of great things to eat and drink. Mahoning Drive-In Radio. Your old friend Virgil back once again for a glorious recording day, uh, which I always look forward to, with my good friend and co-host, Mark. Say hi. Hi. Always good to have you, my friend, and talk to you. And we got a lot going on here at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. Lots going on. But for this episode, we got kind of a mishmash of goodness. And with that, lots of stuff going on. I'm going to throw it on over to Mark to kind of kick it off. What do we got this week, Mark? So we want to start off by talking about our furry friends. Oh, as you may have noticed or or been aware a while ago, a month or so ago, we posted a video on our socials of a bunch of kittens that were born on the lot. And I like to say of all the babies that were probably conceived on the Mahoning lot over the decades, these are the only five we know of that were actually born there. A stray mama cat showed up. I think Will found the cats, if I recall, while he was getting ready to mow the lawn or something, and they were in like a barrel. And there were these five little kittens and a mama. And we took them under our wing and we looked after them and we gave them food and made sure they were good. And there was this outpouring of affection and concern by the community at large as to the welfare of these cats, being that they were outdoors and, you know, the weather can be rather extreme on the lot. (laughs) From, there was actually a day earlier in the season where it was 80 degrees one day and then it was snowing lightly the next night. So we took care of the cats. They wound up finding their way into the two like post-apocalyptic cars that uh, JT and Steve Mills had mocked up for Joe Bob. They wound up living in the back of that. And they were like, a, they were their own little photo op. People used to come up and take photos of these kittens and everything all the time and want to take them and constantly asked us if they were available and various staff members were interested at at various points. And then the time came more recently, a week or so ago, for the cars to be towed away. The cars did belong to someone else. They were being towed away to be you know, sold off for scrap. And we were very concerned. Candace especially was very concerned that the cats would be safe when these cars were needing to be hauled away. And it was really time for them. They had been weaned off their mother. It was time for them to find homes and going into the winter months, you know, to be safe. So the way it all went down was basically Candace came up to me and said, those cats need to go tonight or tomorrow morning. And she had a shelter set up for them. And it was a local shelter that would give them all of their shots and make sure they were healthy. And once they were healthy, they could be adopted at a very reasonable rate. like 30 bucks or something that goes to run the shelter. So we were all ready to do that. And it sort of, I generally managed, this was an occasion where I generally managed to uh, help make sure these cats were all captured safely. And uh, Dave Wirt was the, he's the kitty whisperer. He did be <laughs> and the little cats. And uh, they talk about herding cats. And it's not just a saying because uh, Candace was able to bring a cat carrier from home and like an open topped, it was almost like a, carrying bag or a tote bag or something and it was dave trying to get the little kittens to trust him enough to pick them up and put them in this little open topped bag which of course they immediately wanted to get out of and i was trying holding this bag up off the ground trying to pet them all and calm them down and make them soothed while each one is trying to climb out catching mama cat was a lot more difficult that didn't happen until the next morning we basically took all the kittens and we put them in the staff only men's room inside the uh, the drive-in because nobody uses it really and it's safe and it's contained and they could be free to prowl around in there and uh, i went in and checked on them you know multiple times and we were able to find people to come and, and accept all the kittens in the span of just a few hours andy and kelly took one our good friend chuck moran took one and my friend jess from vermont she actually was able to take two kittens and mama cat so the next morning we handed those kittens off to uh jess she took them back to vermont (laughs) this is the one occasion where you tell somebody the cats are happy they went off to live on a farm in vermont and it's actually true It's actually true. We will post photos of the cats in the barn that they now live in. They're well-fed. Mama cat is gaining weight and the two kittens are, are are doing great and they're all together. When you decided to jump in general manager style, did you think you'd be handling things like this? <laughs> no, no. And that was, I don't, what, what show is this? This was Back to the Future, right? Yes. Suddenly my life became those cats. 
for many hours. And it was, I was surprised how much it took out of me because I love kittens. I love animals. I don't want anything bad to happen to them. It was very stressful. You know, you feel even bad picking them up and taking them away because it feels like Dave kept saying, felt like he betrayed their trust. Right. But they're all in a better place now in a farm on Vermont, which again, sounds like they've been killed. But no, they, <laughs> they're all perfectly fine. I am actually getting very regular photo and verbal updates about these cats that are in Vermont. They're doing great. We've seen photos of the kitten that Andy and Kelly have, and that kitten, she named it, Kelly named it Tony because it's a tiger cat. That kitten's doing great. Chuck's cat's doing great. They've all been taken to the vet. They're all, everything that's supposed to happen is happening, and they're all just being, you know, I, want, I don't want to say drowned in love because that sounds really horrifying, but they are being very loved and very well fed and very taken care of. And it's it's really the best possible outcome because yeah. initially we were taking them to a shelter and hoping we would find people to get them. And honestly, my motivation primarily was I didn't want to try to round them all up again in the morning to take them to that shelter after how difficult it was to get them all in one night. <laughs> So I said, okay, everybody says they want them. Now is the time, please come and get them. And then we gave them the instructions on what needs to be done. So this seems really like a strange topic for a drive-in podcast, but a lot of people were really concerned about these cats and they were sort of our little buddies and our little mascots, but we're all beyond thrilled. And I share these updates with the staff in our internal chat. So everybody is just really happy to see them go on into their forever homes. Yeah, it's become a regular topic in all of our chats. And, you know... You you said it when they went to go live in pretty much the cars that were part of the set, they became rock stars on this lot because that set piece is as soon as you enter and you would see these kittens peering out at you and naturally people would make their way over and you'd be seeing us getting tagged on the social medias and people loving on these kittens. And it was a really kind of just like therapeutic, fun part of the drive-in experience. Uh, even when Greg Sestero came for our room screening of giving him the tour, we're walking around and all of a sudden he stops. He's like, are those cats over there? <laughs> I was like, here we go. I just hooked this guy's heart. <laughs> now, in the in the process of all of this, we did, uh, and I hate to use the word capture, but it was very humanely done because Daddy Cat, as we refer to him, is a feral cat. He's a wild cat. Yeah. But we didn't want him out making more and more lot cats, shall we say. So we were able to get him and he's being taken to a vet to be uh, fixed and then he'll be released back onto the lot. So you probably still will see if he trusts us, if he ever wants to come near any of us or the drive-in again after being fixed, he'll still be around. And there is another cat that's around. It's very friendly. We are strongly believe it is a neighbor's cat. And a lot of people are expressing interest in wanting to take this cat home with them. If anybody hears this and sees this cat, this cat is owned by somebody he just he or she just figured out wait a minute there's a place i can go at night after my owners are asleep where people are going to give me food all night long and love me so of course this cat's going to be all night long this cat found the gravy train or the cat version of the gravy train yeah so we're asking people please do not feed this cat because we want him to be safe and we also want the cat to to actually live with its owners and yeah. what is concerning us is the idea that people think we don't care or that this is a stray and they want to take this cat home and save it. When in reality, imagine if your cat lived outside at night and came in when it wanted to, and suddenly you never saw that cat again. <laughs> no, it really worries me that somebody is going to think they're saving this cat. In reality, they're breaking some local person's heart. I mean, right. a friend of mine used to have a cat and he got this little, it was almost like a little GoPro camera that yeah. attached to uh, its collar and it would take a picture every so many minutes. And at the end of the day, he would take the little SD card out and you would see all the places your cat went over the course of the day. And it was crazy. Like the miles this cat <laughs> roamed around the neighborhood, which is just what out outdoor cats do. And yeah. my presumption is that that's what this is. We have people don't quite realize it, but we have people who live all around the driving. You just don't see them from the theater because the trees are high around us. But Right on the other side of the trees, there's a house with farm animals and things and another house up the street and a neighborhood nearby. And clearly, this is just a cat that heard it through the feline grapevine that there's free food at the Mahoning Drive-In. Uh, <laughs> we are going to literally have to get signs, which is going to be another a weird, crazy, fun uh, appeal. We were just talking about that today as we may have to start making announcements and, and literally putting up signs that say, don't feed the cats. 
of all the things we thought we would be dealing with this season, I mean, it's not really an unpleasant one overall, but it's just odd. Yeah, it's honestly, it's a strange team building exercise, like an unprompted one, because everybody is so invested in the well-being of these cats. And we all pulled just like we always do. We all pulled together to make sure that these cats were all taken care of and fed and growing properly and then getting homes. It's an extension of what we do, I guess. And, you know, again, we go the extra mile for a lot of things. But in this case, we felt responsible for these kitty cats, you know, and a lot of people show interest in that that front row cat, which I call him now. But he's so sweet. He's the sweetest. He will come up and literally just hop up in your lap. I came up to my car yesterday and he was literally chilling out in my car. I'm just like, hey, this cat's got the, got the balls, literally. And if we get it fixed, that won't be a problem anymore. Oh, yeah, um, sorry. Yeah, so I've heard that with he's hopped in a, he, again, I, I have no idea, it could be a she. This cat has hopped in at least one other person's car or hung out on the hood. One customer was really concerned because the cat was like sleeping under his tire. Yeah. And that's why we, that's predominantly why we, don't want to encourage people to feed the cats and have cats hanging out is that there's a lot of cars on that lot. People leave, you know, they don't always leave when everybody else does. It's not a big commotion that might rouse the cat. At night when they're all getting together at their cat hangout, we don't want them talking about the Mahone. No. We don't want them knowing like this is the place to come. There's a lot of wheels. There's a lot of motion. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of. Right. So hopefully this is the last we will be talking about the cats. I love the cats so much and they're such a blessing. But at the same time, it was just like, oh my God, every day, something with the cats. <laughs> and people are incredibly well-meaning, but if you ever need experts about cats, just mention that you have a stray in your yard. Oh, go to the public. And it's like, everybody jumps in and, and has an opinion about the cats and you know, but they were, uh, to be fair, they were very helpful because I mean, most of us, my only experience with cats in my life has been cats that were like 10 years old or more. Like growing up, the, the cat I had was a couple years older than me. She lived a very long life. And then more recently, I had a cat who was probably 10 years old. So the whole, all the rules about kittens and shots and all this other stuff was news to me. So it was helpful for people to give these, these suggestions. It was just like, we just posted this cute video. Hey, look, we've got kittens. And it was just like, you have to do this. You have to, okay. <laughs> Thank you for the information. Uh, we will do that stuff because we do care um, immensely. And uh, yeah, we all do miss them. It was it was sort of a very sorrowful or, or bittersweet evening when the, the kids were, it, it sounds bizarre. I was inviting the youth crew into the men's room one at a time to uh, to see the you know, cuddle the kitties for one last time and and we had more people who have been in that men's room than a long in, than in a long time you know trying to corral them and make sure they were okay and they were very well taken care of once they were in our care and, and again we, we will endlessly reiterate that they're in very happy loving homes now yes yes these are hugo's pussy cats hugo takes good care of his pets he loves his cats and feeds them a very special recipe. By themselves, they are only a harmless pussycat. A thousand strong, they become a man-eating machine. After seeing this terrifying movie, you will never be able to look another cat in the eye. The management of this theater offers free burial insurance to anyone who dies of fright during the film. Caskets are optional on the West Coast. When the cats are hungry, run for your lives. Well, that's exciting. Let's talk about some drive-in stuff. We're coming off of a couple crazy weeks, a couple awesome events with Back to the Future Weekends, with Universal Monster Mash Volume 5. And uh, there were some amazing turnouts. A lot of families, a lot of kiddos, both weekends. And uh, we've been blessed with the weather, too, over the last couple weeks, so... Um, as crazy as the, and unpredictable as the weather has been early in the season, we we seemingly seem to be back on track as we roll into the fall season, our spooky season, as we like to call it. And uh, the stuff we got coming up is crazy. How excited are you to meet Michael Berryman? Of all the things that I thought would never happen in my life, having Michael Berryman hang out where I work for a couple of days is upon that list. It's so cool. And by all accounts, he's a very nice guy. 
And he's coming out uh, for two nights, which will have probably already, well, will definitely have already happened by the time you hear that, this. But yeah, Michael Berryman's coming out for Deadly Blessing, which is a movie I've never seen. Very rarely screened Wes Craven movie on 35. And it's like, it's like an Amish horror movie with Ernest Borgnine. So so Rick Nelson's getting his wish is that we are getting some big screen Borgnine. Yeah, we may hit nine. We may hit nine. Borgnine. <laughs> And at the end of the season, we'll make a big deal about it. We've played nine Borg nines. We, we talked about that on the radio. Uh, what One day we will have recordings of our pre-show DJ set so everybody can hear the banter, because right now you just hear the songs. But we uh, we're, Rick Nelson was talking about we should show Ernest Borg nine movies. And then you said we should have it make sure it's it's nine films over the course of three nights, and we can call it Ernest Borg nine. And, it uh, wrote itself. It literally it programmed itself. <laughs> I think we're, at, we're at Borg 2 now, I think, because he was in the black hole and then he's in... I almost spit my water out. <laughs> Borg, Borg 2. Does it make any sense? You have to show 9 or the title yes. doesn't work. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's Amish horror with uh, pre-fame Sharon Stone and Michael Berryman and Ernest Borgnine. I've never seen it. I can't wait. That's actually tomorrow night as as of us recording this. And it's sort of the, the lead in to Weekend of Terror, which Harry's been doing more of that this season, doing like a Thursday single feature before the big three-day um, exhumed weekend shows. And okay. then Weekend of Terror is crazy. It's edgy. It's uh, In the past, it's been some of the edgiest stuff we've shown or he's shown has been Weekend of Terror. And uh, it was Italian leaning very much in the past. And this weekend, it's what do we have? We have the original Hills Have Eyes with Michael yeah. Berryman. We've got uh, in, in totally random order because I keep forgetting Poor Pretty Eddie, which is the movie I'm most excited about because I've never seen it. I've had it on Blu-ray for years, but Poor I've just never Pretty seen it. Eddie is is like a mind blower on this program, and people yeah. are looking at this thing like, oh my god. The cast is crazy. It's like Leslie Uggams and Slim Pickens and Dub Taylor and all these other people, and it's apparently wildly unpleasant and crude and exploitation-y, which are wonderful things to see at a drive-in. Uh, yeah. We have Eaten Alive, the Toby Hooper film. We have the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre with three... I, I want to say it's most of the surviving cast at this point. It's yeah, we, well, we got Henry, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer on Friday. Yes, thank and you. That's Hills Have Eyes, Henry, and Poor Pretty Eddie. On Saturday, it shifts because Michael Berryman is heading back and we're bringing in three guests original cast from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The good one. We got, uh, what, Ed Neal, Alan Dancer, and John. And John yes. Duke. It's Jerry, Grandpa, and the Hitchhiker. Not necessarily in the order that you just named them. That's the majority of who's left, sad to say. I yeah. think Terry McMinn is the only other person uh, around, and maybe she doesn't do as many public appearances or something, but Alan Denziger did a really funny video to promote the show. If you find it, I think it's on the Exhumed page. It may also be on our event page, basically, you know, encouraging people to come out, but he was uh, he, he was a cut up. I'm looking forward to seeing those folks out. And yeah. James and John Demmer and Steve are working on what I've so far seen to be a pretty amazing photo op that well, we can say it because this is not going to go out until after the show. Yes. It's, it recreates the sequence in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where somebody, Terry McMinn is in the freezer and gets hung on the hook. Yep. Uh, that it's like, you're looking at that room from the movie. And I believe JT said it's going to be set up so that it looks like you're hanging on the hook. Like you can stand yeah. on something and all that. It's, it's unbelievable. And like James, I got to applaud him. I know he's coming back on the podcast soon, but He's so stepped up with this event with organizing, getting it planned and executing it all on his own. You know what I mean? And when I saw this thing come together in literally two days, in my opinion, I know they've been working on it. I know John and Will did, I think, the majority of the carpentry, if I'm not mistaken on that. Yeah, they were here all day uh, over the weekend over uh, I guess might have been Sunday. But it was it was insane. And, you know, like we've seen this happen uh, a lot last season with the uh, Bruce Campbell set with the Nightmare on Elm Street set. But it's really cool to see it uh, come back in such a big way. And, you know, Michael and the uh, the Texas Chainsaw cast are going to be super impressed. And we're trying to get that photo op out early because, you know, people expect these cool photo ops of us. But this is something to have the cast there and be able to get this type of photo op like it's. It's wall worthy. I say that a lot where it's like, you know, whether it's the posters or the photos you're able to get, it's it's crazy to me. When we had Bruce Campbell out, he looked at the set that John had put together, John and Steve Demmer had put together for the Evil Dead cabin. And he said they, they must have spent more on this than we did on the entire movie. 
<laughs> and that's the thing. It's that attention to detail. Like anybody who knows James, he's a madman, you know, in the best way where it's like, he is the ultimate kind of fanboy, in my opinion, where he would go out of his way to, you know, get that splatter of blood in the right spot, you know, screen accurate. He's like, it's like thinking somebody's going to notice, but it's, it's such dedication. I think it's part of his, uh, his genius, you know, even when uh, the Demers were here working on it, Cindy and John, they said like, we were going to start putting the blood up, but that that's more of a, a creative choice. We're going to let James take, you know, run with that. So it's great to see it kind of get put up and then get dressed, you know, and really turn into a set, you know. And they're usually still being worked on up close to showtime. So we don't have the ability to post photos in advance on Patreon. Sometimes we'll leak, you know, work in progress shots of different sets behind the build as I call them. But generally with our public pages, you don't really see the picture until the show has is underway. Part of that's cool because it's really cool for, for customers to just roll up and be stunned at these things like the photo op they did for universal monster weekend, which we'll talk about later or the DeLorean. Some people did not know the DeLorean was going to be there despite us advertising it. I think they just bought their ticket and showed up and they couldn't believe the fact that this screen accurate DeLorean was on the screen. So it's going to be the same situation for this or will have been for this weekend of terror photo op where it's just like, you're looking at this room from this iconic and horrifying moment and arguably one of the top three or four greatest horror films of all time. Yeah, it's going to be a weekend to remember for sure. But Saturday night, we we rounded out with Eaten Alive and Axe, which I'm so excited for. And night three, we got I Drink Your Blood and Snuff. So yes. uh, we'll be on, I'm sure, in uh, upcoming episodes talking about the madness that happened at Weekend of Terror. So yeah, we do have a ton of really cool stuff coming up for spooky season, but we are working on trying to lock in our Halloween weekend. We're, we're like halfway, I'd say three quarters of the way there. We're just waiting on confirmation on one more thing. So stay tuned. It's going to be a really, really uh, fun time. Popcorn, popcorn, everyone for popcorn. Do it now. Pop out for a big box of fresh, delicious popcorn. It tastes good and it's good for you. Popcorn, popcorn, everyone for popcorn. Let's all pop out for popcorn. And now, the truth. A raw factual report on the now generation whose battle cry is, make love, not war. The scene is international. An ordinary evening after dark. Except... Today's teenage rebellion is taking place in London, Los Angeles, New York, Rome, and Tokyo. All over the world, today's daring, defiant teenagers are in rebellion. Against what? For what? It's doubtful even they know. They just have to rebel against tradition. As teenagers, they're willing to try anything. Yes, teenagers set the pace with new dances, mod dress and hip action. Wheels are their new freedom and sex is a brand new toy to play with. In Teenage Rebellion, you'll see what's happening. You're on the scene with the diggers. You'll not be in the dark after you see Teenage Rebellion, starring teenagers of the world playing themselves. So back to the future event, like you said, we had the door in there. Uh, it was really amazing to see all the families out. But my favorite moment was when Doc slides down the clock to connect the wire and send Marty back in time. James had set up up front for the fog machine to go off and the strobe lights go off in front of the DeLorean. And it was unbelievable because out of nowhere, the I didn't know it was coming, but the crowd roared with applause like it was the greatest theatrical addition to what we were doing so that was a really really fun memory and the set for universal monsters those pictures uh if you guys check out mahoning drive-in theater on instagram or twitter or any of those things you can see people post their pictures and this set was unbelievable it really looked uh, screen realistic that set for Universal Monster Mash 5, as well as Back to the Future, incredibly enhanced with the help of Jonathan from the Haunted Forestry Service, who's worked with us for years. He has this amazing collection of 
creepy props and outdoor decor and lighting and fog machines. He's got an amazing talent for that. So he takes and puts like an amazing sheen on what JT does. So the, the fog and lighting effects on the DeLorean, that was Jonathan. Yeah. Everything you saw outside at Universal Monster Mash was Jonathan. The photo op was JT and Steve Mills. And I think Will and John helped to, to some degree on that too. And Eric helped on that. But Jonathan brought in the lights and the fog machine and the photos are amazing. And he said to me at one point, we were hanging out in the snack bar. Jonathan had said, you know, if it looks like an Aurora model kit, then we did our job. And it did. Something That's about cool. JT's mask and the way it came across in photos, it looked like you were taking pictures of a miniature or a statue or a model kit. Yeah. And that lighting was incredible in the fog. And there's a video that's timed to music from that movie. If you poke around, you'll find that we've posted that's just amazing. And people just couldn't believe it. And again, this is something that nobody except some staff members knew was going to be there. People just sort of rounded the corner and just the, the wide eyed and slack jaws that and huge smiles that you saw on everybody. And they, oftentimes there'll be a line of people waiting to get their photo with, you know, whatever creature JT is dressed as in that photo op. And it just, if you didn't see it, if you haven't seen any of it, it looked like the Lon Chaney Jr. Wolfman was coming out of the woods in the moors, like in the movie. So he had some, had a backdrop that just basically gave you a little bit of depth to the background. But other than that, it was all trees and branches and shrubs and this low fog. And it was just incredible. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bones, as we like to as we call him. Call him. Yes. And uh, I'll, I don't know if I've said this story on the podcast, but the first time I met Mr. Bones and how he got his nickname, he rolled up and uh, he pulled in. And I'm like, well, who's this guy? He's got a big old suburban. And no joke, passenger seat, both back seats, full in the back, nothing but skeletons. <laughs> I'm just like, well, hello. And from that, that point on, he's been Mr. Bones. And he is an incredible talent. I wanted to talk about our Tunnel Vision Tuesday series with Harry at Exhum Films. This has been such a treat for me personally, but I think for uh, the crowd that comes out for it each week, the titles have been absolutely incredible. The presentations have been awesome. The trailers that he plays before uh, beforehand, Harry's film collection goes super deep, but his trailer collection is just stupid. And he really flexes his muscle on Tuesdays. We had Gargoyles uh, this last week, which that was a television movie, a movie that never got released theatrically in the States. And from what I understand, Marks, it actually did get released uh, for a short period overseas, right? That was common in the 70s and 80s. I discovered as a kid was for TV movies in America to get theatrical releases overseas. Like I remember the day after had an overseas release. Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park got a release in Australia and maybe the Europe. And Gargoyles apparently did too. So we presume that's where this print came from, but it is incredibly rare to have a 35 millimeter print of anything that was made for TV. And his print looks perfect. Like it doesn't, I say it doesn't look like an old movie and that the colors haven't faded or anything. It looks like it would have looked the day that print rolled off the, the, the printer as it were. Yeah. So the ability to see a TV movie on the big screen at all is rare, let alone on film, but especially on 35 because it was never intended to be seen that way. And that's a movie that so many people, it scarred a generation. So many people- <laughs> I was gonna say that it freaked out so many people. So many people have commented on our posts about it that they saw it as a, as a kid and it scared the hell out of them because it was this really cool, gruesome, creepy uh, Stan Winston makeup on the various gargoyles, all of which had a different look to them. Um, Bernie Casey, funny enough, it seems amusing to me for some reason, but Bernie Casey plays the, the head gargoyle. And it has a young Scott Glenn in it and some people you would recognize, but the ability to see that on the big screen, I was able to see that maybe once or twice at various events, Harry had something to do with. I think he did it at a, as a secret feature once, or he did it at, a, at an Alamo show where I saw that. And it was just really neat to see it. This thing that you only ever saw on TV or on tape or DVD, you know, on film yeah. on the big screen. I was talking to a, a front row regular for Tunnel Vision Tuesdays. And I said, you know, thing I love about it is it's it's an it's a, like traveling back in time because I wouldn't have a chance to see uh, some of these titles. I wasn't old enough or I wasn't even born yet or whatever the case is. But in this case, there would have been no opportunity for us to do that. Right. So just it's so transcendent as far as uh, being a film lover, getting these these titles tossed at you. But what we got coming up in October, where we round out the month, 
this week with Possession, Pumpkinhead on the 5th, Last House on the left, on the 12th, Curse of the Werewolf on the 19th. That's a Hammer movie. Curse of the Werewolf. Oh, yeah. Oliver Reed. Great movie. And I'm super excited for this. Grave of the Vampire and Garden of the Dead, which from what I understand is uh, was packaged together when... Harry has a trailer, a double feature trailer for that, that he ran at one of the trailer trauma shows. It was an original double feature in the 70s. So you want to talk about going back in time. That's exactly what you would have seen in a drive-in double bill back in um, the early 70s when that was released. Just so killer. So if you guys are local, if you're uh, into that, if you want to spread your wings for the spooky season, come on out um, and enjoy those. And if you're not local, we do offer overnight passes for every show we have which allows you to sleep in your vehicle on the lot after the show. Uh, cheaper than a hotel, safer than a late night drive home, as I like to say. And also, if you go to our website and poke around or just message us and I can send you the link directly, there are several local hotels that offer discounts for our customers. You just have to tell them what the code is or, or to ask for it. And that'll save you a little bit of money too. Uh, it does seem weird to some people to travel and make like a destination and take time off work to see a movie. But in many cases, that's the only way you're going to see this stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, it's dedication. And I know we beat people over the head with the quality programming. It's hard for people. It's like, hey, I got I got work. I got a life. Oh, we totally get it. And it's one of those things that's really great because the Mahoning is a, it's a situation where we're here for you. You can guarantee that you're going to get great programming. And uh, anytime you're available to come out, that's what you get. But this is all a roundabout way, talking about Tunnel Vision Tuesdays, to talk about one of the coolest things I've ever seen which is the film cans, uh, the film cans for possession. I sent you a photo, Mark. So we've gotten cans with really cool aspects or elements to them, hype stickers, different colors, things like that. But this on possession, I've never seen. It's literally a metal plate almost onto the film reel of the possession logo. That beautiful woman with the snake coming down. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So we'll be sharing that to our socials and you guys will be able to gush over that that goodness. When we had killer clowns from outer space, which we got from, I want to say, Park Circus. When the Kyoto brothers were here, we showed them the cans and uh, because it had this cool killer clowns sticker on it. And they said, oh, yeah, that was one of the original promo stickers from when the movie came out. So somebody along the way, whether it was when the film was new or somewhere in its lifespan, took one of those original promo stickers and slapped them on the film cans, which is very cool. And it's also convenient because from across the room, you know what movie that is. But I've never seen anything like a metal plate riveted into a film can before with the films. It was unbelievable. I was like, was this a thing at a certain point? Because if it is like, I've never seen that before. Hi. I'm Chili Dilly, the personality pickle. Packed in a jar for the freshest flavor. Served cold in a sack for you to savor. So dainty to eat, no muss, no fuss. An ideal snack for all of us. Crisp, tender, and tasty with a bit of spice. Buy one now. Taste how nice. Snack bar clerks will knock themselves silly. Speeding your order for a real Chili Dilly. I want to make sure that we talk about Tarantino a go-go, because this should go out right before that show. So you guys know it. We've been working with Quentin for years and with the uh, Band Apart library, the vaults of Quentin Tarantino. What we have going on for this event is so special that we want to stress it really hard on this podcast and in the socials. So on it's a three-night event, uh, obviously all Quentin Tarantino films. On Friday night, we got True Romance written by Quinn, followed by Pulp Fiction. But what makes this event insane is the secret feature. We're going to have a secret feature each night that either influenced the films that you just watched or are in that same vein or are mentioned. So it's really fun to see people guess or try to guess what we're going to be doing for these secret features. But... The films themselves are, are coming from Quentin's personal vault, which we're super excited about whenever we have the opportunity to run Quentin's prints. It's like a piece of him is here in a way. <laughs> if you've seen the documentary at the drive-in available now on Amazon Prime to be and believe the DVD, there is a shot from when we ran Clerks many moons ago, and that Clerks print came from Tarantino's archive. Yes. 
And when we talk about the preservation of 35 millimeter, us becoming a preservation house, what the Mahoning represents as far as the cinematic and film community, we become mouthpieces for this community and for 35 millimeter. But there's nobody bigger than QT. He really is the 35 millimeter king. You've got those couple directors in Hollywood that really strive for uh, the preservation of 35 and releasing their films on 35. Edgar Wright's one of them. Of course, Christopher Nolan's one of them. But QT has made it a point to lean into 35 as hard as we have. And the new Beverly is the perfect example of that. And a lot of people have said we are the East Coast version of uh, like what the new Beverly does as far as pre presenting amazing 35 millimeter films. So to have this special touch, we just have to stress it. And on Saturday, uh, we got Kill Bill 1 and 2. It's not the whole bloody affair, but they are Quentin's prints. The whole bloody affair situation is tied up right now, which we can get into on a later podcast. I was talking to Harry about it last night at the table. It's really fun because uh, QT and Harry work together all the time. And whenever I can pick Harry's brain on, on kind of what's going on in that world, it's really really fun and i think what i'm most excited for is sunday how do you feel about once upon a time I, well i know how you feel about it so one day i walked into the snack bar at the mahoning and if you've never been there we have uh, lit poster cases that we we try to swap the posters out as often as we can to be thematically appropriate if we have anything and i looked and there were posters for once upon a time in hollywood there and my first thought my first gut thought was that movie's too new it doesn't belong in movies a year old what are you doing then my second thought was that looks great because they're posters I love and lit posters. If you know movie posters, for years, movie posters were printed on one side because they were put in cases. And then years later, when the lit cases came along, they printed them backwards on the back so that when the light shone through them, there would be this really rich depth to the to the image quality. So it's rare that we have the two-sided posters in the snack bar because most of the movies we show are of a vintage where they didn't do that. Anyway, not long after that, I was clued in to the fact that we would be running Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the drive-in. And I was thrilled because that was, I saw that movie four times or more in the theater. I think Val saw it like eight times in the theater. It was a movie where you could see it on film. I saw it opening night at the Alamo in Yonkers and it was on 35. And they gave away these really cool little 35 film strips with like shots from the movie on them. And it's just, it's a movie I don't get sick of. It is wonderfully nostalgic. It is so well made. It was with any Tarantino. The soundtrack's incredible. It's a movie I just love to revisit over and over and over again. So the idea that we're showing that on the big screen is is like really, really exciting to me. It's easily my favorite film of the last several years and probably arguably, and it seems weird to say that at this age, maybe it's one of my favorite movies, period. Yeah. Like you get past a point where you figure you're like, yeah, I'm not going to get anything that, that I'm going to like as much as the stuff I, I've loved for decades. And then something like that comes along and I'm like, I love this movie. I want to live inside this movie. I, I want to watch it over and over again and discover new things about it. That's what it is. It's 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 a world you want to live in. And that film came out right at, in the heart of when I was running the indoor theaters. I was at the AMC at that time. And, you know, I got in the habit of watching films at the end of my shift, just kind of taking in a movie in a theater, making sure that I'm staying up with new movies and not being totally seeped in classic films. But it got tough, like the material it just didn't speak to me. And and Once Upon a Time came at a perfect time when I was so frustrated with new movies. And again, like you said, finding something that you're going to get into and just love and be reminded of why you love movies again and all that. And Once Upon a Time was that for me, you know, and I think for, for maybe a lot of people where, you know, I think about the great experiences that I've had in theaters and certainly at the top of my list is watching Once Upon a Time over and over again by myself in a darkened theater. And it's 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 not to be missed. So and I can say it uh, after talking to Harry last night, the secret feature for that night. Oh, my God, it's crazy. I mean, you guys can take some guesses. Obviously, it's uh, it's in it's in the Manson vein, but it's it's going to be something for sure. It's chomps. So, it's chumps. You figured it out. Finally. Oh, damn it. I'll, I'll cut that out. I'm sorry. We didn't, we're not supposed to give surprises away. Like <laughs> From what I understand, we got ourselves another recording. Did we not? Another voicemail. We did. So in case you weren't aware, if you're just joining us late, we have the ability 
to uh, get voice messages sent to us through anchor.fm forward slash Mahoning Drive-In. There is a button on there that says message or voice message. And if you go, if you hit the button, you can record through your phone or computer uh, a voice message for us that we will listen to and play on the show and respond to. So our good friend, Gene Beretta, who is amazing and a big supporter of the place and always fun to talk to, just left us this. So I will hit play and we will respond accordingly uh, or according to how our lawyer suggests we should. Hey guys, it's Gene Beretta. I wanted to pay you a big compliment. I'm listening to the podcast, the latest one about the good, the bad and the ugly screening. And it made me, it reminded me just what a special place you guys have there. It's, uh, I mean, where else would you have a projectionist who cared enough about the quality control to show us a side-by-side -side comparison of the awful print that was sent to you initially and the one that you showed us and give a lot of people a great lesson in, in how prints are made and how they deteriorate. Um, so, I, so thank you for that. And thank you for what you keep doing. Um, I'm just so happy to, uh, to have this available to me. Take care. That's so incredible and so sweet. We love Gene. Uh, he brings his son out all the time to experience the Mahoning magic. And Gene is, he has a storied past. He is a, a talent extreme. He is an author. He is an artist. Uh, he is an ex-puppeteer, which uh, I'll give you guys some inside dirt. I spoke to Gene at the front of the field maybe like two or three weeks ago about his history with the Muppets. And Gene runs a podcast, which is called what, Martin? I believe it is the Beretta Brothers podcast. Yes. And he has folks on all the time um, talking about their love of the Muppets, but also has uh, Muppeteers on from his past working with the Muppets. And we're working on a very, very cool Muppets event next year that I'm really excited about. And for those of you guys that love the Muppets and have a special place in your heart, it's going to be something. Muppets take Mahoning. Muppets take Mahoning. Oh my gosh. Come on, Mark. Registered trademark. Yeah, that is genius. That just wrote itself. And I don't know if I talked about it on this main podcast. It was a Patreon only thing, but Gene and I are also uh, trying to work on and starting to work on a children's book together. My first drive-in, uh, which is a little something that I, I wrote and hopefully he's going to animate for us. And uh, it'll be a really, really fun thing. It's, it's funny because last week or the week before, we had another voicemail of a guy talking about one of his experiences going to the drive-in as a kid to see Jurassic Park. And it was sold out. And uh, the father made the kids cry, <laughs> turned back to them and made them kind of cry and act all sad. And they got into the movie. I totally worked that into the story. <laughs> So uh, we're going to have to give that guy a little credit because that's that's a great, fun little little page for sure. So if you would like to add your voice to this podcast, if you want to tell the story uh, of your past at a drive-in, any wacky drive-in stories, any poignant drive-in stories, drive-in memories from growing up or recently, tell us about the drive-in you currently go to. If it's not us, tell us about drive-ins you used to go to, anything like that. We actually love it. <laughs> like, I want to hear this stuff. So that's anchor.fm forward slash Mahoning Drive-In. And I, it may limit you to 60 seconds. I'm not sure. If it does, feel free to record a couple if you want to go longer than 60 seconds. I haven't actually tried it myself, so I don't know. But we really do enjoy it. And uh, we'll put you on the show. Yeah. And for those who don't know what Gene's referring to as far as the good, bad, and the ugly screening, we were sent a television print, one that had the sides, tops kind of cropped down for it to fit a television. And Jeff like we talked about on last week's podcast, did the most beautiful thing. He played about 10 minutes of the actual reel we got sent and talked over it about, you know, the reasons why we wouldn't want to play this, why this would be in this condition and why we had to go digital for that night. And, you know, I'm pretty sure we said it on that podcast too, but I was heartbroken about that because I made a big point of going to the social medias and saying, you know, I screwed up. The print's going to be delayed. And then when we got a print that was subpar, it was like, oh, come on. 
And it's so great because we've got multiple comments about that screening and how great the sound quality was, the picture was, the experience was. That's fantastic. But that's what we're dealing with. We actually just dealt with it again with a a different screening. We're not going to say what the title was. But when you're talking about film prints being shipped literally across the country and multiple cans in, in usual cases, a lot can go wrong, especially in the system that the studio works in, which in my opinion, I think it's just kind of locked in from the old days of doing things. When you had a film scheduled to play, the cans would show up the week of, and that was fine. When you're dealing with a repertory theater like we are, and certainly the mail system that we're dealing with post-COVID, it's really hard when a print is scheduled to come in the week of a show, because come Tuesday, if that print is not there, we start to get nervous. And that happens more times than not. It's a lot of times waiting until literally the last minute. And what happened with our most recent screening where we had to go digital and didn't plan to was we were waiting until showtime, literally until we were about to go on screen for that, that print to show up. And sometimes that's just what we're dealing with. I learned with good, bad, and the ugly after being talked off the ledge by Mark and some others, this is what we're dealing with working with 35. This is going to happen. And, you know, it's inspiring to know that even when we do have to, unfortunately, go digital versus showing an original print, that the presentation is beautiful enough that people comment on it. So that's a great thing. Yeah, that was a a sweat making enterprise this last weekend where I'm checking and refreshing the FedEx tracking. And there was a time where FedEx was like, FedEx, you'll have it tomorrow. So we were supposed to get the print on Friday for a Sunday show. And then I checked and it said delayed and it was sitting somewhere in Memphis. And it's like, well, maybe it'll get here in time. And this was, <laughs> it was supposed to arrive on Friday. On Friday, it wasn't there. And it, they, this certain prints get delivered to Jeff's radio station where he works, which is like an hour or so away from the theater. And then it's going to be delivered on Saturday. Well, Jeff doesn't work on Saturday at the radio station, but he was going to drive over if it showed up or go over to check because there would be nobody there to receive it. And you don't want these. I mean, obviously the street value of a 35 millimeter print at this point is if somebody stole something, they'd open it and go, what is this? And probably throw it away. <laughs> so, what is this? this has zero use to just about anybody. Now on in the film community, if they were like, you know, film thieves, like long ago, that would be, but these days, I mean, it's useless. So I'm repeatedly checking the phone app to see when it's going to be delivered. And then suddenly, oh, wait, it's at the distribution center in Allentown, but are they open tomorrow? Do they deliver tomorrow? So in a panic, I messaged everybody I knew because none of us had the film on Blu-ray and we were pretty confident that it was going to show up on time. So why have a Blu-ray backup? And this teaches us why to always have a Blu-ray backup. I sent a message out to everybody and I said, you know, I will come to you within two hours of this theater on the day that I wasn't planning to work and come and get it. And I had said to Jeff, if that print shows up on Saturday night while we're in the middle of a show, I will leave the lot and I will go get it. And it, the print just, it was stuck at that distribution center. And finally, we called upon a good friend of the theater, or I put the word out to a lot of friends who I thought might be film savvy enough to have this movie on Blu-ray. I had, oh, let me backtrack. I had ordered this Blu-ray back up uh, midweek of Showtime week, and it was supposed to be delivered by Amazon the next day. And that was the day I needed to leave to come down to Pennsylvania from New York, which is two and a half hours for a show night for Patreon night, actually. And uh, I waited as long as I possibly could and it hadn't shown up. So it's like, great, glad I paid to get that one the next day. So my copy wasn't arriving. Flash forward a couple of days, I'm asking all my friends. One of them says, yes, I'm gonna be in this town at this time on Sunday morning. Sunday is the day of the show and I can hand it off in a parking lot. So the very short version of this, too late is that I met a priest in a parking lot of an Ocean State job lot an hour away from the theater to hand off a Blu-ray of a movie that looked, for all intents and purposes, like some kind of strange church-related drug deal. And then I drove back to the theater and dropped it off. And ultimately that's what we had to run because the print did not arrive until the day after the show. So this is the kind of thing we deal with. And if anybody 
wonders why we show things digital at the last minute and maybe don't give people a lot of warning. We really did not know until it was too late to tell anybody for a couple of shows that we were going to have to run the Blu-ray, which obviously is not what we want to do. We're about 35 millimeter. We're not about popping a disc in, but we do realize that people travel and people had their hearts set on this, seeing this movie on the big screen. And we, we do our best to apologize and, and we, we, the show must go on as they say. But here's the plus for those people that did make that screening and do know what we're talking about. In pure Mahoning fashion, we gave them a show, baby. So we did a secret feature, not to be mentioned, that really blew some freaking minds. And we had some of our Simplex members hanging out with us in the front, rocking out. And that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? Like, I come from a performance background where anything can happen during a live show. Literally anything. And the mantra of the show must go on is just it's beaten into my brain and beaten into our brains where that's just the nature of what we do. We put on a show each night and in a lot of ways with the equipment we're working with, it's it's a it's a high wire act. And for us to be prepared for anything, we've gotten really, really good at that. And that's what I think I'm most proud of over this season is that we've been able to, again, structure the business so beautifully for what we do, which is kind of unbelievable events and unbelievable program. So that's not an easy task. And uh, for this team to all pull together the way that we do on a regular basis is such a gift. You know, even talking to Will last night on the lot, you know, he drives up from Philly area and, you know, practically lives up here uh, with me on the weekends running the lot. And it's just great. He couldn't be more happy to be here, to give his time, to be a part of it. It gives uh, him a sense of accomplishment and achievement and that you're doing something bigger for the, the good of the community at large. So I say a little bit jokingly and a little bit sillyly. We're in the smile business and it's true. You know, it means the world when people come up to us and tell us how they're having the time of their life or it was a great night or they love this movie and they've never seen it on the big screen or it's their first time at a drive-in. I always say thank you for making ours your first drive-in experience. It's worth so much, so much more than the pay to have people just so happy and to see the photos people share and to see the photos of the kids and the parents and the kids and all that. I mean, that's how we all first went to a drive-in was that our parents took us. So it's, yeah, it's it's pretty wonderful. Yeah. And uh, again, these last two weekends, it was a lot of kiddos, which was really, really fun. That's what's so amazing about, you know, we're talking Universal Monster Weekend, the, the week before we recorded this. The, the age span in that, that's got to be one of our biggest spreads age-wise is you get little kids and you get senior citizens who yes. these movies, somehow these movies from the thirties were so well-made and so atmospheric. They still speak to people and people get really excited. I mean, people you think might be too hip to watch a movie from the thirties or forties or too edgy or whatever. And it just, it brought so many people out. And as we were saying before we started recording, surprisingly large number of drive ups this weekend. Um, we sell tickets in advance for most shows, which help us sort of gauge how busy a weekend might be. And on an average night, it's like 20 to 30 drive ups at best. But we had a lot this weekend and the numbers that we were looking at even a day earlier for Saturday, I think doubled in 24 hours. And, and maybe it's because people saw all the photos from Friday night and how cool everything was. I'm not sure, but it was a really, really strong weekend. And funny enough, the biggest title, I think, for a lot of people was the Black Cat. From they loved that title. They were rabid and ready for it. It was, and it was beautiful. Print was gorgeous. Played, played insanely well. And I just love it when we can go that deep into the vaults, that far back into a library, and it draws. It really proves the power of what we're doing. And that brings up a good point about the online sales. So last year we saw a total shift from drive ups to online sales, likely because. At that time, the world just didn't know if, if a person-to-person -person interaction or sale was even possible. But almost 90% of our sales were online last year. And now it's starting to shift, again, more into that maybe 70%. And now later in the season, we're seeing a ton of drive-ups. So I think it has a lot to do with there's a ton going on this time of year. And people make those decisions kind of last minute where it's like, you know, we should, we should do that. 
So some regulars may also know that unless they hear us saying a show is likely to sell out, they you can just get tickets at the gate. You know, the 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 advantage totally. of the online ticket for a person is that you know you're getting in. And last season when when just about everything was selling out, it was really important to make sure you had that that way in. But but now with some shows, you know, not blowing the doors off, so to speak, uh, a lot of, and like the Tuesday night shows, a lot of folks know they can just roll in and get a ticket at the gate. And that's that's totally cool. A snow cone, please. Cut. What's with this snow cone bit? The word is water. But I want a snow cone. Now let's try it again. Now this time stick to the script. Okay. Action. Water. Water, please. So I get water. But where you are, you can get snow cones. Bring me one. Will you please? Any flavor. Well, let's segue into some upcoming plans for the podcast so we locked in some really really fun guests some that you know that we've had on before and some not mark why don't you talk about uh what we'll be recording in the future and what people can expect well we will be talking to one or more of the documentarians who are doing the films for the library of congress about the cars that are being added to the I'm probably saying the wrong title, National Car Registry or National Automotive Registry, um, one of which is the DeLorean from Back to the Future, another of which, which I'm hoping to scoot down to DC next week for, is the uh, Lamborghini Countach from Cannonball Run, the actual movie car from the beginning of Cannonball Run that in many ways changed my life forever at the age of seven. Uh, I can see it up close and, and I say, I'll be the guy, I'll be the guy there licking the glass. Um, <laughs> you have one arrest on your record from several years ago, and it was for assaulting an automobile. <laughs> but officer, you have to, you have to understand what automobile. Yeah. <laughs> so we have them coming on. We just need to schedule that. All of these people have not been scheduled, but I've said they would. We have the CEO of, of Rico's products who's willing to talk to us about the history of Rico's nachos. And if you have come to the drive-in before, you know the Rico's Nachos uh, ad that we run during intermission on one of our reels from around 1980 is 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 a cult phenomenon. People scream stronger than our legend, that's for sure. People, I, I monitor our socials, and I'm, when people mention us and tag us on Instagram and stuff, the number of times people take photos of Rico's Nachos and tag us is ridiculous. It's very funny. People are like, "I'm ready for the Mahoning," and it's a picture of stacks of Rico's Nacho cheese. <laughs> So we had started to set that up earlier in the season and then, you know, things went insane uh, moments in our history occurred. And uh, but there that should be fun. And I want to talk about that that short. Actually, I want to get the nitty gritty of when was that shot? What What is the other poster in the background? Yeah, it's not prom night. No, we need to know the history of how that came to be. And I just want to know the history of the product. I want to know how it became a movie food and, and ask, you know, wh where's the Rico's truck today? Um, I've talked to my close personal friend, legendary comic artist, S.R. Bissett, about coming on. He drew uh, Swamp Thing back in the 80s, the Alan Moore years. Uh, he's a guy I befriended through some old retro horror shows I used to do, and he has some great drive-in stories. And I want to talk to him about drive-ins as a youth, drive-ins in the 70s. He loves the movies that we love, so he has some fun grindhouse -y stories. And uh, drive-ins from an area that both of us sort of are from. He, he lives relatively close to my hometown in New Hampshire. I can have on Pamela Pierce Barslow, the daughter of the man who directed The Legend of Boggy Creek. Right. The legendary driver. Direct. We played that, I think we played that years ago as part of one of the Bigfoot events. And uh, I worked with her on a project a couple summers ago or a fall ago. And she actually, again, she winds up living very close to where I grew up. So we're, we're friends and I want to talk to her about her dad's work and, and drive-ins and things like that. Well, for our regular fans, we will be recording with James to do a little bit of a wrap up on uh, some of the biggies, the Back to the Future event, Universal Monsters. And we'll be bringing Robert in, which I'm super yes. excited to record with Robert. People have been asking, what's the deal with Robert? When they fall in love with the documentary and come to the theater, one of the first things they ask is, does Robert still come around? And they're always so pleased and over the moon to know that he literally is running the film. He is uh, Jeff's right-hand man in the projection booth. And it's uh, he's been such a blessing to us. And beyond being an incredible talent in the uh, and workhorse in the projection booth, 
Uh, he's such an incredible friend, such an incredible person that whenever we can get him um, to talk on the podcast, you know, you guys are in for a treat. And also we want to get more of the staff back on to talk about their experiences and their favorite movies and all sorts of things. The youth crew have a heck of a story that we need to get recorded. Either either we have them full on on the podcast or we'll just record it at the lot. But they told me a story that was, I was unable to explain at something that went on after hours. So that's going to be a fun one. It's very appropriate for October too, actually. Oh, it's perfect. It's one of the great spook stories that I've heard at the drive-in. So, And I'm going to give you some breaking news, Mark, and the fans a little peek behind the curtain. So I was talking to Zach Galligan last night, and uh, we really wanted to bring him out for October of this year. And he is in between projects and shooting and can't take a lot of weekends off. So we are going to be pushing that to next year, but I put it in his ear. Would he want to come and chat with us on the podcast? And of course, he's so into it. He's the greatest. So hopefully we can work that out for you guys uh, in the off season. So you have that to look forward to as well. I'd like to have a lot of guests, a lot more guests. It's just that we've been so busy running the theater. I think the off season is really going to free us up to do more of that. We know people in the industry, whether they're actors who have appeared at the drive-in to talk about their experiences or people who might be coming to the drive-in or people who do things related to film and cinema and things like that. I think it'll be a little bit more, not that we're going to lean on this being a star-studded podcast, but it is cool to get somebody else's perspective on some of these things. And it's kind of fun. Yeah, totally. I mean, even when we have other folks from the crew on, you know, the idea of this podcast is shining a light on not just the Mahoney, but the driving culture in general. And one of the uh, easiest ways to do that is to have guests on talk about their experiences with drive-ins, why they love it, their draw to the Mahoney, what they get out of it. So it's for me, you know, it's 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 the greatest topic on the, in the world. So it never gets old. <laughs> and I would like to, I, I've said it since the beginning and, you know, best laid plans. Um, I do want to have other drive-in owners on to talk about how they run their place. What, what are their experiences? What are their wacky stories? What's the history of their place? Because, I mean, we want every drive-in to succeed, you know? Part of the idea, as you said, is that this would be about drive-ins in general. And uh, I follow a lot of drive-ins on Facebook, and I'm thrilled when I see them doing well and showing cool stuff and, and seeing how they do it and how they do their marketing and all this other stuff. So I think it would be fun. Probably the off season is the best time for any of us to talk about this because we're not all busy, you know, running a drive-in at that time and uh, see how everybody's 2020 was, everybody's 2021 was. Yeah. And speaking of, you guys only have about a month left. If you uh, if you want to experience the Mahoning, mahoningdit.com for all the dates, deets, and ticks. And of course, we have a couple to be announced, but I think... By the time that this drops, we should have our full October calendar out. And uh, you guys should be drooling because we got some really, really fun stuff for everybody across the board. And we do hear occasionally that people don't see our show announcements on Facebook. The The algorithms may have changed or you maybe follow so many people you don't see our stuff. Really, our website and our Ticket Leap homepage are the best places to just keep looking at and refreshing on the daily to see what's playing because that is a complete list of everything that's been announced. You can also go to our Facebook page and if you find the tab for events, everything will be there too. But if you just depend it upon seeing things pop up in your feed on Facebook, you might not catch them all, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's what a lot of it's funny because we have regular Monday meetings and a lot of it has been kind of brainstorming new ways to promote because before Facebook, uh, was really the way to do that. And for whatever reason, the, you know, like you said, the algorithms have changed. We, uh, we have an amazing social media presence, that is for sure. But uh, just to be able to reach as much of the fan base as possible, we're working on a uh, newsletter, which is obviously an easy way to tap into uh, the fan base because what we have on our hands, it's a, it's a strange situation. You go into most businesses and they're like, hey, you want to sign up for our newsletter? It's like, oh, God, no. But here we have people begging us to be like, is there a way for me to constantly be updated with your info? <laughs> That's the big thing we learn here, too, in, in trying to promote this this um, organization is that nobody, the majority of people don't get all their information from the same place anymore. You know, it's not just the newspaper and the radio or not just email. 
Some people don't check their email that often. Some people do Facebook. Some people don't do Facebook. Some people do Instagram. Some people don't do Instagram. So we really have like five or six platforms. Currently, people can contact us via. So, and, and it's, it's, it's Virgil or I who sees just about all of that. If you contact us through Twitter, that's just Rob who does that. He'll see that. But otherwise, if you have any way you can get a question to us, if you have one, feel free. And we do see them and respond as quickly as we can. But uh, as far as promotion, it's really hard to do something that really reaches the most people other than, you know, we relied on Facebook for the longest time because it was so easy to share and forward and repost and all that stuff. Uh, so we're, we're working on it. We, we really want, and it's, it's obviously part of it is, you know, we want to stay in business and do well, but we also hate when somebody who's a really big fan of something doesn't find out until too late about a show. Um, that's one of the biggest motivators for me to be able to reach as many people as possible because some so much of what we do is so unique, like running a seventies TV movie on the big screen on film. Um, you really hate for people who might've been the biggest fan in the greater Philadelphia area or the greater Wisconsin area who might've come out and found out that, you know, we ran poor, pretty Eddie and, and that might've been their one shot ever at seeing it on screen. And they just didn't know about it. As you leave the theater folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you. Well, I look forward to um, the last month. It's always it's always a hard time of the year as you think about things kind of coming to a close. We never want it to end, but at the same time, it's just so mentally beating and physically beating over the season that you know you always you always want that break as well. It almost comes at the perfect time each year. But come on out, say hi to us, give us some love. We can't wait to see you guys at the theater and we'll see you guys next week as we jump in and continue with the podcast adventures. And on that note, Jeff, take it away, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for coming out tonight to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. We hope you'll come back and see us again real soon. The exit is on the right-hand side of the screen at the front of the field. And most importantly, have a very safe trip home. Good night and God bless you.